Welcome to Job Sharing and Beyond, the future of work podcast that goes beyond the traditional nine to five. I am Karen Tischler, speaker, consultant, and host of the show, where we hear from global experts every other week to discover innovative solutions and tips on how to remain a relevant employer in the future. Hello, everybody. Today is another special episode converted from my most recent LinkedIn Live conversation. My guest today is Rob Sturrock. We had a very, very interesting conversation today and we followed up with um, what we talked about about a year ago in our first episode and that was about parental leave being a stay-at-home parent, um, job sharing and other flexible forms of um, work and then obviously we were talking implications and consequences um, from the pandemic and um, in the case of Rob who um, was calling in from Australia in Sydney they are currently in a lockdown so he was describing that um, situation as well and what was really interesting to hear was Rob describing transferable business skills that he is gaining from being a stay-at-home dad and I really appreciated that because it is so important and still often underestimated and even having been a stay-at-home mom myself I didn't really think about this while you know while I was a stay-at-home mom and even afterwards not so much because you just get into the mode of doing things until I read more and did more research about it and realized that these skills truly are skills that for example the World Economic Forum lists as within their top 10 skills for 2025 for example so now without further ado please enjoy our conversation and um for people who don't know you yet rob i always love to start with a five fact introduction based on the working out loud method because i really like that so if you wanted to give People, five facts about you, please. Five facts, sure. So uh, so my name is Rob. Uh, I'm a father with two small children. I have a daughter who's five and a half, almost, and a son that turns three in a couple of months. Uh, I live in Sydney in an area called the Northern Beaches, which is an area with some of the most amazing beaches in the world. Uh, and what else? Uh, I wrote a book uh, that came out last March called Man Raises Boy, which is all about active fatherhood and the role that dads play in raising decent, kind, happy young men. Uh, fifth fact, and I'm currently a full-time stay-at-home dad. So I am. I left the workforce about four months ago. I'm fully staying at home, taking care of the kids and all the housework and domestics and everything. And my wife is our sole breadwinner. Well, thank you so much for your five facts. And that certainly is a change to when we last talked on the podcast yeah. which was about a year ago so and um now like i've you know you are you are also currently in a lockdown so i imagine all of that together is quite a change yeah it's quite a, it's quite a jumble so look it's been uh a, 
in a way, very eventful sort of four or five months in particular. So I left my role in the beginning of March to take home full full time duties for a while. The 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 goal was so I took a redundancy from from my job, um, and my goal was to take a few months out to really focus at home uh, for a couple of reasons. One, really to refresh and and rebuild after my last job because. The last year of my job was pretty tough going, uh, and I think it really battered my self-esteem and confidence and sense of value and productivity, and it wasn't obviously helped by so much remote working during the, the pandemic. So part of it was to actually really regain that sense of energy and happiness and, and verve from being at home with the kids and sort of adding value at home and taking care of the house. And then, yeah, about, what, now five weeks ago or so, we then had this, this lockdown come upon us where... The Delta variant started to sweep through Sydney, you know, 10 cases became 20 and it's now five weeks on. And even though we've been in lockdown for five weeks, the cases still climb you know, through the roof. So everyone's working from home again. My wife's been at home. Uh, our children can still go to daycare, which is fantastic, but the schools are closed. So a lot of our neighbours are trying to juggle their jobs, plus homeschool their kids and make sure their kids are all right. Uh, yeah, so it's been quite an, an emotionally up and down uh, journey the last few months. And who knows what's going to come ahead? You know, this, this lockdown feels a bit different from the ones last year. So everyone has, you know, there's a great deal of uncertainty. No one's really sure when this is going to end and how bad it's going to get. So even though we thought light was at the end of the tunnel a bit this year, it looks like we're sort of back in the same mental modes we were in sort of mid last year. Yeah, I, unfortunately, I you know we are seeing this all around the world with the Delta variant. So yeah. Um, now, as you just shared that you are the full-time stay-at-home dad now, when we talked, you shared that in Australia, there were, there were very few stay-at-home dads. And so I'm curious to know, did you get the impression that during the pandemic and during the lockdowns that had changed or that more um, dads got involved? <laughs> <laughs> you can see my daughter peeking in the, the background. I sort of BBC dad moment. You come on, you want to come and introduce yourself? And she's a bit, she's a bit coy. She's curious, but she's a bit shy um, oh, about the so camera. Cute. So, uh, yeah, look, so um, it still is the case that there's very few stay-at-home dads in Australia. The, 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 the dad that is, like, completely out of the workforce is the primary carer, there's just not a lot. The problem is there's not a huge amount of data either to just take a sidebar there. We have a, a census uh, later this year, so hopefully that will produce an updated figure of how many stay-at-home dads there are. Uh, and as I look, as, as I share in the book uh, previously as well, a lot of the stay-at-home dads in Australia are not there primarily by uh, choice to be the carer. It's normally because of either disability or health problems or longer-term unemployment, so it's an economic hardship. They sort of end up coming in. You can come and say hi. She's just going to hover in the background. Um, That's so uh, They're sort of there, yeah, right, sort of in terms of hardship. So the reality is of the proportion of stay-at-home dads, so as of 2016, there was about 80,000, there's a sort of a smaller proportion, much less than half, that are actually making a proactive voluntary choice to step out to be the carer. Um, and it's interesting. So uh, I felt with a lot of my friends, I've, I've been quite open about being at home and taking a redundancy. There's others that it does feel like it's a bit of an awkward, uncomfortable conversation. Uh, I still think probably the most likely question I am to get from people. So when are you going back to work? 
there's less about there's a little bit about how you're finding it, but mostly people are like, all right, well, I assume you're going back pretty soon. And that's certainly uh, the case, but there's certainly that classic default to the breadwinner of like, well, he's a man, he'll be going back to work sooner than later. Um, so it's it's been interesting. I think, you know, it, from Australia that the research shows that there was a little change in, in terms of gender roles at home uh, during the pandemic last year. But really, it was still mums that were carrying the domestic load, the homeschooling load. Uh, that hadn't really changed a lot. So any sort of gain, we did see some gains where there were a few more men doing that. Uh, but it feels like it, even before this lockdown, it felt like it was a very elastic set of change. So it felt like it could snap back quite quickly that we hadn't embedded the change and we weren't trying to embed the change. And now with a lockdown, which is taking up great, what's called Greater Sydney, which is about... 5 million people of Australia's 25 million population. Mm -hmm. There's very much a sense that we were, again, caught unaware. So, again, it's all the mums doing the homeschooling. Dads are sort of uh, don't seem to be as involved from what we can tell from the data. There's anecdotal evidence uh, that some dads are a bit more involved, but it's probably at sense where we're going to go another step backwards. Uh, and in between, we had a lockdown at the beginning, at the, at the end of last year around Christmas, but another lockdown now in between a lot of the data showed that men went back to the office, they went back full time, uh, and, and women were more likely to stay at home and do remote work and, and sort of uh, and sort of balance their week in a hybrid way. So we even before this lockdown, we saw a bit of a regression. And now my worry is that we'll see a, almost a complete regression that the mums will, will carry this load during the lockdown, the dads will continue to work and will come out of it. And we won't have seen much sort of change in the workplace. Yeah, it's, it is it is really hard. I mean, over here in North America, as I'm sure you have seen, there was, a, you know, a, a large number of in particular um, mothers that had to opt out because of the lengthy, you know, whether that was local um, lockdowns or simply uncertainty about the childcare situation. And now here, the big discussion is about you know, returning back to the office, whether that is mm. like, you know, in person or a hybrid situation. And I guess in your case, obviously, as where you are, it's currently in lockdown. But say the rest of Australia that isn't in lockdown, how is that? Is I mean, is, is there discussion as well that people got very comfortable working from home? Yeah, absolutely. And I think for a lot of people, the way forward, sort of quote unquote, was to look at hybrid arrangements and to think, I'll do a couple of days in the office, but I'll make sure that they're really focused, productive days where I'm doing like productive meetings, not just meeting people for the sake of it. And then I'll balance that time with, with being at home. Um, I've, and I've even heard of people, including friends who are doing job hunting at the moment, because the job market in Australia is, is pretty strong still, who are doing that sort of on that basis of, I will take a new role on the basis that I'll only be in their office a couple of days a week. Now, what is really interesting for the for Australia is that because we're so used to having um, uh, international workers coming in, we have international students, international workers, they're such a big part of our economy. Because we've had our border shop for 80 months, there's actually massive vacancies in a lot of the job markets because we just don't have the, the human capital filling the need right now. So what that might end up having an effect of if people have a bit more negotiating power in a job right. if they're a bit more if someone's sought after as a candidate they might be able to negotiate their terms a bit and look as i said look i've 
been um, at home for four months, but I'm now sort of getting back in the job market and I'm sort of doing the same thing, right? Where I'm looking for flexible part-time jobs. And even if they're not necessarily advertised at part-time, I will apply and sort of put up front that I'm sort of looking for flexibility. So that might be an early indicator that things are changing the way that jobs are described and advertised and the way employees can negotiate when they're starting a role. But yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see what the, what the data has to say in, in a few months' time. Yeah, and it's it's so interesting that you're mentioning this because there's a, a, a big discussion here as well, whether it has, like, you know, before there was, quote, unquote, a stigma of putting a, you know, an unpaid um, care work um, time on somebody's resume and whether because so many people were doing this, that has actually normalized it. And I don't know what the situation is in Australia, but that LinkedIn here in North America, you can now have stay-at-home parent or dad or mom as an official drop-down in, you know, the LinkedIn, um, you know, employment section. And, oh, right. I didn't realize that. That's yeah. really good. So so I don't know if that exists already on LinkedIn Australia, but I, I personally feel that's a huge step because it finally, in my mind, you know, equalizes and says this is work it is unpaid absolutely but it is clearly work and um yeah so yeah so i don't know you know if if it is already like that in different parts of the world within linkedin and also in different languages i i don't know that yeah and i'm not sure about that it's right that, i think that's a great leap forward and you know it's a good step in terms of just identifying what people are doing and more clearly acknowledging it, you know, that's that's a step in the right direction. Um, there certainly is a policy debate in Australia around that exact problem of this, the, the contribution that stay-at-home parents make to the economy, to society, and trying to measure it in a way where we can, like, we can acknowledge the value. I mean, it's in the tens of billions for Australia um, in terms of parents staying at home. Um, what is really hard, I think, at the moment, and what's again being sort of brought home the last eighteen months with COVID, the lockdown, is the sort of the like the the double bar that parents have to jump. So for a lot of working mums, it's they've got to jump over their their professional bar and, and keep being as productive um, at the career as regular plus do the homeschooling and, you know, bearing more of a mental burden. So there's sort of two hurdles to jump. And with men, it's still this, you know, it's sort of a, a slightly different debate where it's men are still predominantly um, the main income in a lot of households because of the gender pay gap is as unfair as that is, it's there. But there's also this increasing expectation and desire and pressure that they are involved at home, that they do more at home. So they are trying to, again, sort of straddle, you know, jump over two, two high bars. Um, and we haven't sort of seen the public policy keep up with it. So it's re it's really hard. And because I was saying to you before, you know, we have our early childhood centres are open. So like Clementine here can go to daycare and go to school. But if you have <laughs> primary school or high school age children, they've got to stay at home. So again, there's this inequity and we just haven't seen that catch up. Some workplaces are doing the right thing. You know, there, there's been some fantastic examples recently of gender neutral paid parental leave being introduced in Australia where it's very generous, it's very flexible, um, it can be taken uh, by both sets of parents, it, it, it factors in things like miscarriage or stillbirths and, and the like which is which is great but at a public policy level it, it's, it's just not there yet. Um, so I think it'll be a, a really interesting set of studies that will come out of this this current two years, 2020 and 2021 because it's, there's the chance to make big gains here, I think, socially yeah. in terms of 
of parenting. I'm I'm skeptical that we're we're going to embed those those gains at the moment. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear you know that there are some examples already about you know the um, the parental gender neutral parental leave because I remember you know we had that conversation and that's one of the things you are a big advocate for. So that that that's great news. Yeah, and, and look, I think. Um, it's going to be a discussion that's going to continue in this country for, for a while yet. There's there's sort of very piecemeal, <coughs> pardon me, very piecemeal advocacy around paid parental leave. Like we had a big national federal budget delivered by the federal government in uh, when was it, May. Uh, there was a lot of advocacy, for instance, around early childcare reform that we needed to make our system better for working families. But there really wasn't the same advocacy around paid parental leave. So it's basically been all the big workplaces in Australia who are leading the charge were introducing things like 26 weeks of paid parental leave, making it gender neutral, making it flexible, uh, but we're just not seeing that represented at a public policy level. And there's still about half of the country's workplaces that aren't covered by any paid parental leave policies at all. So they rely on government schemes and the government scheme is just you know incredibly out of date. So we still have it in the government scheme that you have primary carers leave, um, which is essentially taken by mums all the time because fairly they have birth, they need to recover from labour and they're, they're breastfeeding a newborn most of the time. But then there's just a secondary carers leave for dads and, and partners, which is two weeks at minimum awards. So it's, you know, it's an incredibly poor signal to, to dads that they should step out of the workforce. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's, you know, I I feel we are in a time of a lot of turmoil but I also always try to see a silver lining of all of this. And I feel there is a chance to, you know, simply seeing more people, you know, like having Zoom calls with children. And so it, it just, I feel it, it makes it more human and it is less of, you know, it's, it's more of a work life. I don't know. Integration might be the word. And um, yeah. So yeah, I'm... and I, I think too in Australia, sorry to, to, to cut in, I think no, in no. Australia too, it's been great, it'd be exactly that point of colleagues seeing dads with children either like me exactly. now or in the background. I think it's, again, it is it is helping sort of reframe workplaces so that, that men are seen as fathers as well because um, we're very comfortable with women bringing their babies into the office or, you know, showing yeah. photos or being much more of a mum and, and a professional worker, but we tend to just see men in terms of their professional role and right. fatherhood is not something that we'd normally factors in so explicitly. So I think that that has been a big gain is that dads, are, you know, <laughs> people are seeing dads with their kids more often. So it's now it's that next step of, if we're willing to acknowledge that, then what, what systems and supports are we willing to build around that? Um, and you know it's that's where we need to make you know a lot of game, and it's not going to happen without like a lot of a lot of collective advocacy in, in Australia. Particularly, Australia is a very sort of blokey, male-dominated culture, and those in leadership positions, if they are um, men, don't tend to see paid parental leave or flexible workplace reform as a priority. It's sort of seen as a sort of a, a nice to have, but it doesn't affect the business directly. So, changing that mindset is going to be a massive um, focus too. So, you know, as we are talking, so if somebody listens who might be wondering what kind of transferable business skills a stay-at-home parent would gain, could you maybe just list sort of, you know, five, the, the five most important ones that you feel 
you know, are for you as a stay-at-home dad at the moment? What would you yes, say? Sure. Yeah, look, I think it's a great point. I think it's one we, we don't talk about enough. I mean, for me, I think one of the first ones is multitasking. You know, when you're at home with your kids, you're multitasking all day, every day. That's just part of it. I think that's a, that's a fantastic generic skill you take back to the workforce. I think communication skills too. I mean, I think uh, it sharpens your communication skills. Obviously, you're solving problems. You're trying to reach individuals that may not be listening to you, may not be receiving the message in the way you hope they receive it. If they receive it, they may still do something inadvertently different to what you hope. So I think it really does sharpen your ability to communicate to an audience, not just talk at people, but talk with them and try and connect. I think organizational and time management is another big one. Even though you might be stuck in a lockdown or spending years of time at home, there's still a way you can manage your time so that you're productive, um, but you're also giving yourself some some time for well-being. I think that's that's a really important thing that you get from being a stay-at-home um, father. And I think another one for me, um, it's and it kind of sits, I guess, across all of them, is just the emotional intelligence and, and empathy uh, to relate to others, to sort of see things from other people's perspectives, uh, to be able to sort of feel a bit more what they feel. And I, I tend to think that our workplaces are still fairly unempathetic places. Our services are unempathetic services. So I think being a parent where you are accommodating and, and, and um, taking care of kids' needs, and they vary so much throughout the day from just the basic physical needs to the emotional needs, trying to work out what the emotional needs are, why they're reacting in a certain way. It takes a lot of empathy, and I think that's a skill that you can build. And I think that's a fantastic thing to take back to a workplace. It doesn't matter what type of workplace, blue collar, white collar, the ability to empathize with colleagues, team members, managers up, people below you, whatever, I think is a, it's, a, it's a highly valuable skill. And I think it's one we, we completely devalue in the workplace. And I think if more places, work, workplaces had put more premium on, on empathy, I think you'd find workplaces being more harmonious. I think there'd be a greater like emphasis on well-being. I think ultimately you could probably measure uh, an impact on uh, retention uh, and attraction if you know people feel they're truly being um, heard and listened to and acknowledged and respected. They're more likely to be happy and productive and stick around longer. So there, to me, are some of the big skills you take away. And it's yeah, I think it's a great point because I think a lot of parents and particularly a lot of dads think about what they'll lose by stepping out of the workforce for parental leave and not what they'll gain. Um, I think that those skills are a big one. Thank you so much. Now, one more question I had is we talked before about um, part-time work and that in Australia, especially dads, there is far fewer than moms doing part-time work. Is there, has there been any change? And also I'm, you know, as you know, a big advocate for part-time through all the levels and job sharing. And I still sometimes, you know, feel that people struggle to see why somebody, can, you know, needs to have a part-time job on a manager level and how that is even possible. So any thoughts or experiences you could share? Yeah, sure. Look, I think part-time work, yeah, look, in the last 12 months, it hasn't really changed statistically. It's still overwhelmingly working mums and women that are doing part-time roles. You don't see a lot of men applying for part-time roles. Um, it's it's not a conversation that we're having in a very mainstream manner in Australia. Sort of the there's sort of a a discussion around how hard it is for part-time workers and part-time uh, workers predominantly being mums, but we haven't really taken it to why aren't there more men going for part-time roles? How do we make how do we make more part-time roles? In fact, anecdotally, some of the examples I've seen recently, 
have been the reverse where roles that could quite feasibly be done part-time are still being advertised or resourced in a way that makes them full-time and they're driving away certain candidates, which I think is a bit um, frustrating, particularly given the last 18 months where we've had so much flexibility. I was hoping people might see the light a bit more and see that you can actually make more roles flexible and part-time right. rather than revert to, no, this certain role can only be done full-time and we, we can't sort of consider anything else. Um, so look, it's, 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 yeah, we're just not seeing a lot of men go for it. For me personally, look, it, I'm, as I'm stepping back into the workforce, I'm still absolutely looking for part-time roles. So at the moment, my um, sort of agreement or discussion with my wife, Julia, is that we're still basically focusing on her being the primary breadwinner and me being the supplemental breadwinner, the secondary breadwinner. So I'm looking for part-time roles where I can continue to carry more of the family responsibility and household responsibility and um, hopefully not to jinx it, but I, I've, applied for a role recently, which I'm really excited about, which has actually been advertised as full-time or flexible job share, uh, which is something that I expressed that I'm interested in. So yeah, which is something I know is, is very close to your heart we talked about last time. So yes. I, I, I had an initial discussion about the job and it was that how I'd be interested in sort of the flexible job sharing element as well and, and seeing how that works. So yeah. fingers crossed, I've still got to get through to the, the next stage of the interview process. But um, if that goes um, the way I hope it would go, it, would, it, it could very well involve job sharing with an individual, which I think would be it would be great. That that would be amazing. And, you know, there is like um, I'm sure you have seen the um, analysis by Zurich UK where they added six words to their job ads and one of them was job sharing part-time and work and flexible work in and they got such an increase in um applications both you know across all genders as well as across all different levels of um positions so yeah so so this is awesome to see that you know where you are it's you know the option that it could be a job sharing position so yeah so maybe yeah. When we talk again in a year, you can, um, you know, tell me more about that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, it's, and I hope we, we see more of it because, you know, there's obviously there's the movement uh, on one level about the move to the four day week in total and the yes. benefits of that, which I think is a really exciting development. And yes. again, there's, there's it's only a, it's a very small discussion in Australia, but, you know, it's happening in a much bigger way in New Zealand. So hopefully New Zealand's discussion will end up influencing Australia. So there's the four day week discussion. There's, you know, there is discussion about how you make jobs more flexible. And I, I'm really hoping that across the board, we can see that we can all, you know, through the lockdowns and pandemics that we've found more flexible, innovative ways to work and that we move away from basing roles around time, like time of days of a week and making it around outcomes and projects and what have you. So it's essentially you can have a role that's advertised that is around meeting a set of outcomes or projects and you leave it to the individual to manage their time, you know, astutely, you know, whether they do it in five days, four days, three days, whatever sort of to, to give that, that greater flexibility. I, I, I think you know, if we can't make the case now after the last 18 months, then we'll never be able to make it. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a really, really good point. Yes, yes. So um, I just wanted to ask one last question. And what is your favorite book besides, obviously, your book, Men, uh, Races, Boys? So which one if would you pick as your favorite book besides that? My favorite book? That's a really tricky one. Um I mean, it's, it's probably look. It's 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 off. It's it's off topic. It's just because it's it's come close to mind um, now. I, I well, I actually read a 
uh, a wonderful book um, that sort of inspired my book. It's a book by an Australian journalist called Annabelle Crabb, um, and it was called The Wife Drought, and it was all around basically a lot of the topics that we've we've been talking about um, this afternoon, where it was essentially about how, you know, so many men in Australia have been successful because they've had the supportive wife and partner at home taking care of that home front, and I was really exploring why Australian women are struggling because they don't have that same wife at home taking care of them so and it really and explored um you know the role of Australian working men you know the male breadwinner and I found it sort of as a man who was working or surrounded by a lot of brilliant talented women in work and colleagues I kind of hadn't gotten that level of disadvantage and discrimination for women um you know kind of think around go look they're you know they're my managers and their bosses they're my colleagues you know they're they're just as successful or, or more successful than I am so there must not be much of a, a gender gap anymore. But this this book was really helpful in breaking down with data and interviews and evidence around how hard it is for working mums because they just don't often have that support home and they're often their own wives as well. They're doing all the domestics as well as the work. So I found it really impactful, you know, and it really helped me when we had children to talk about with my wife about how we negotiate things at home, how we share the load, how we share parenting. And, and then, yes, it was sort of deeply influential in how I went to sort of write my book around fatherhood. Uh, and so it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely one of my favourite books. And, again, sort of frustratingly in a way, it's still incredibly relevant today as it was when it was written sort of six, seven years ago. It could have been released yesterday and it would all the examples would still resonate so strongly. So I can go to show that this is a real slow burn debate. Um, and it's going to be around for a while yet, but hopefully we can make some accelerated change after all the crazy lockdowns we've had for the last 18 months. Yeah, well, thank you so much. And thank you so much for all the work and advocacy you are doing to create change. And I, I fully agree. These things, societal changes take time, decades, generations, but then when it happens, somebody else, another generation can look back and say, wow, we never, you know, knew that maybe a few generations before that wasn't normal or common. So thank you very, very much. Yeah, an absolute pleasure. It's terrific to talk again, Karen. And um, yeah, hopefully next time we talk, we'll have some more exciting examples to talk about and share. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We hope you gained valuable insights and new ideas. To keep listening to future episodes, please head over to iTunes or your favorite player and subscribe and give it a rating. We would very much appreciate a review and for you to share it on social media so more people can start innovating in how they offer employment. Until the next time, goodbye.